Welcome. Whoa, this thing got loud. So welcome to Semper Sometimes with Benny. I'm going to be having a guest on here shortly. Um, just going to be doing an episode on here. Just trying it out. Uh, it's different. I've been doing it with um, the Marine Rapper, and I kind of like doing it on here because I'm able to get the Instagram viewers in, get your guys' comments in, um, be able to talk to you guys as, as I speak to the guest. So it's definitely a great opportunity. Um, so give us a minute while we wait for him to hop on. So I'm very excited. I actually was able to meet with him on Monday, um, but we had a quick video, a uh, quick episode with TMR. So here we're going to kind of just go a little further with the episode. Hey, man. Sir, what's I, going on? How are you? Yeah, sorry about the delay. How you doing? No, you're good. How are you, sir? How's everything? Yeah, just had old Marine from 3-5 give me a call about two minutes before we were supposed to start, so I just, uh, it was a call I needed to take. Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. Yep, we're good. We're here. We're in the fight. Uh, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was great talking to you guys. I really enjoyed that. You guys are doing a great thing over there. Uh, thank you hey yeah thank you so much so um so welcome everybody to semper sometimes um i just wanted to reach out to you sir and and from the jump really just talk to you about i know we talked on monday just a little bit about what was going on with you and what you're doing for the veteran community and and for the marines out there so i really wanted to just kind of dive more into how it all got started why it got started your mission statement learn more about you um, and really just dive deeper into the leader that you are um, and the father and, and just kind of get to know more about you and, and understand your mental toughness and, and how you do all that you're doing. Yeah, sure. Uh, my least favorite topic is me. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, wh 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 where, where do we start? What? So um, I, I guess it's, I think about things that I'm thinking about where, how I got, what got me here? Why am I thinking about the things I'm thinking about? Uh, I, I think in, when I got back from my first appointment and uh, from saying it in 2011 uh, is when we got back, um, I saw some really kind of hardcore dudes posting some like kind of weird stuff uh, on social media, like kind of these cry for helps, but really it seemed like they needed to be, validated mm. um, and we're kind of looking for a thank you for your service and um it it didn't check out with me because these guys to me they were legit like like we knew like to me they're <laughs> inner right and, and yeah because you can fool anybody to convince anybody but like but the people that the people that you're you know in the fight with like they know if you're, if you're legit, you're not legit, right? And Amen. So, Amen. And so I just didn't know, like, why do you need any other validation if, like, if, if, we, if we can all attest to, like, you're a bad motherfucker. Like, you are yeah. a bad Why do you care if Susan on Facebook, like, likes your post, you know, or whatever? And so um, it, it, it started to feel like, veterans were competing 
uh, in the Victim Olympics, and they were using their veteran identity mm. uh, to try to get special treatment. Uh, but 2011 was, I mean, it was still like the, a wild time, wild west. So many people coming back at the time. It was like, it, it did, I didn't, no one, I don't think anybody knew, like, how are you supposed to talk about combat when you get back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you don't really get that class. You don't really uh, get that. And especially when, when a lot of people are getting, you know, they're coming home and then a lot of times they're transitioning right out into the civilian world and you really don't have that class or that etiquette class on like, how do you answer that question? You know, like, you know, when, and I've had that myself, you know, being in like a meeting, I, I remember I was, I just started work and I was, I just got off recruiting duty and I was in this class and um, in this board meeting with one of our higher ups and he looks across the table at me as we're all introducing ourselves. And this is my first meeting and he looks over at me and he's like, so tell us a little bit about yourself. And I'm like, Oh, you know, my name is Doug. And I had a Marine Corps um, golf shirt on. And then he looks over at me and he's like, so did you go over? And I was just like, what, what is, what does this conversation have to do with anything? Like, why is this brought up? And now this is, you know, at this time, 12 years after I had gone to Afghanistan. And I just looked over at him and was like, yeah, it was a great time, great experiences. Beaches were amazing in Afghanistan. And then everybody at the table was like, wait, what? And, you know, I made a joke out of it. But, like, and that's the thing is, like, you know, we don't really talk about that when, you like, you're saying, like, people don't know, okay, well, I came home. What do I do now? How do I express these things or how do I talk about them? So it is a difficult thing. Yeah, I I think, you know, the the veteran – is in the midst of an identity crisis when they're transitioning out and finding new identity and new purpose. But also civilians have all these assumptions about what you may have done or who you are. And so they also, so they don't know how to communicate to you either. Exactly. True. True. Got someone who's still trying to figure out things for themselves. And then you've got a, a civilian population who has really has no idea and who's probably well-intentioned but they just don't know what they're doing and that's and that's oh uh it's i don't expect them to know and it's it's okay that to me it's okay that they don't some people feel very like hostile that civilians don't know more about it's like why do i want my grandma to know like the crappy things that i like why does she need to know very true like uh um so either way for a long time, it seemed like the predominant veteran narrative that was co-opted, adopted, promulgated uh, by both veterans, media, and society was that veterans, poor veterans, give them sympathy, give them pity, damaged, broken, uh, and unstable. They're mm. a time bomb. And I just thought, like, you know, um, we all have wounds. Right, we all have wounds. Whether yeah. it's moral, everybody's got a is. But like, we don't have to be defined by our wounds. You know, there's more, you know, there's more to our stories than just our scars. Our scars tell a story, and that story is, is it should be like of resilience, of a warrior, right? And so, and, and to think that, uh, and by the way, like we're still writing, and so like there's still chapters being added to my story. That the the ink hasn't dried, you know, and so. Amen. Just because there's this was my story in one chapter doesn't mean like that's my whole story. Yeah, your end all be all. Uh, 
and so I just felt like that story, I wasn't satisfied with, with how we were, we were talking about it ourselves, how society was talking about us. Uh, I, I, I got back from Australia as a company commander and uh, to go teach at the Naval Academy. So the Marine Corps sent me to, I wasn't an Academy grad, but I was doing a little bit of reading. Thought, yeah, this would be cool. Uh, and so the Marine Corps sent me to grad school to, to study literature. When I got to study literature, I got to read the Iliad, the Odyssey. So I got to kind of start to understand warrior archetypes or, you know, how warrior tropes or like the where where we first began to understand what is this warrior, what is this mm. culture socially. And you can trace that arc really from Homer and the Iliad and the Odyssey and, and stop along the way throughout every hundred years, every century and kind of see different chapters added to the, to the, to the warrior uh, collection. But it's, it's really these first stories that Homer didn't write, but that, that, you know, Achilles goes berserk. He gets, he has rage. He's berserk. He's unstable and losing his shit. Uh, And so like, this was kind of one of the stories about veterans that's really stuck for thousands of years. Is that like, Veterans are crazy, unstable, psychotic, and you get this. And then, then the next uh, kind of story you get is from Odysseus in, in the Odyssey, and he like he doesn't know how to come home. He's literally trying to come home from a war, and he can't come home. And then he gets home from the war, and he's still his wife has got these other guys, and it's just like it's a real problematic homecoming. And so it's like okay, so the first two stories we get about veterans is that that they go crazy, and then they like, and then like look at. Look at uh, First Blood, you know, yeah. like Rambo says, uh, you know, I came home. I used to be able to drive a flying gunship. I used to fly a tank and now I can't park a car. Right. And yeah. Or, or look at Platoon or Apocalypse Now. It's people going crazy. Right? So yeah. these stories have just been uh, recapitulated yeah. for a long time about veterans. And, and so um I did this capstone project when I was in school and I said, I'm going to try to find a way to elevate uh, the story around veterans. And so I said, uh, you know, first thing I'm going to do is uh, I'm just going to go to open mic nights, veteran open mic nights and do storytelling. And so around DC, whenever there was a veteran open mic night or an open mic night period at a coffee shop or a bar or whatever, I would go say like, I've been ambushed, uh, you know, both literally and, you know, uh, figuratively in life. Um, and by the way, everybody in this room, whether you're civilian or veteran, has been ambushed in life, whether that's cancer, car accident, infidelity, uh, a miscarriage, a divorce. Like, everybody at some point is going to get ambushed. You know, there's, you know, people try to think, like, what veterans were trying to say is, like, oh, we have a monopoly on the trauma. Like, like we only get to talk about, like, and that nobody else and then we're trying to make it like a hierarchy comparing yeah. oh well my ambush was with rpgs and pkms like your ambush was just it's like dude she's a 17 year old girl and she got in a car accident it was fucking scary for her like you you don't get to say like oh that wasn't that wasn't like fallujah it's yeah like, okay <laughs> like yeah why, why does it have to why does and so and and also i i really didn't 
you know, this, this idea that we were competing with whose ambushes were worse or who had real trauma. Uh, it's like most of my most traumatic moments in my life were not in combat, you know, were not combat related. And, and, and the things that were hardest for me that have caused me the most injury have been the hardest to recover never didn't happen in combat. You know, mm. so when I went to combat, I said, there's bad guys here. They're going to try to kill me. I'm going to try to kill them. It's going to be violent. Guess what? That's what happened. It was yeah. a violent struggle of two people trying to kill each other. And so like, it wasn't shocking to me when the Taliban shot at us, you know, and it wasn't, yeah. I had to shoot back at them. It's like, I'm an infantry Marine. Like that's literally what I exist to do is to do this thing. And, 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 uh, and so, yeah, I, I did, I tried to talk a little bit about how could we could be, how can we be more resilient? Uh, how can we elevate this narrative a little bit? And then how can we find new pathways towards recovery? And so when I started to talk about resilience, I, I got into this idea of, uh, it's expectation. Just know that, you know, all of us have had that. And by the way, it's coming again. Like there's another one coming, like at, at some point, yeah. uh, and you can live in fear, like I, I don't, I don't recommend it, you know. Uh, but you, what you can do is just get your hands up, you know, get your hands up. It's coming. That that's I, I talk about like a boxer in a ring. That when a boxer goes in a ring, punch, they don't automatically get knocked out, right? They, they, it's, it's like they win, and they don't say like, "Oh my god, I can't believe you hit me." It's like, yeah, like, yeah, right. You know, in the ring, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, it's like well, you were in the ring. Like, what did you think was going to happen? Like, this is, so, so, and so like, I, I would argue like life is the ring and like that punch is coming. So get your hands up, uh, have expectations that shit's going to happen. And so that doesn't mean it won't hurt. You know, if you've got your hands up and Mike Tyson punches you, it's not like, Oh, well that, that was no problem. It's like, no, it was probably a really significant problem. Like it probably still hurt it probably hurt a lot less than if your hands were down at your sides though. And so when, when you got your hands down at your side and you get hit like that, it's a lot more recovery as well because you, you, you sustained a lot more damage. So now you've got a lot more, a lot longer road of recovery. Right. And so by just having expectations that shit is going to happen, uh, it's, you know, the Stoics said premeditation of malorum this premeditation of evil. Uh, we can look at uh, Cooper's color code, who came up with, mm. with white, yellow, yeah. orange, red, black. It's, it's, it's the idea that when your vulnerability has a place, you know, there's a time and space to be vulnerable. Uh, to me, that's a very narrowly defined space where I'm willing to be vulnerable, right? Otherwise, especially to me as a man, I have responsibility to be in the yellow, to be prepared and alert for whatever mm has to offer right and and so and when i'm in the yellow and when i have expectations that hey there's stuff out there in this world there's i'm not saying the world's a bad place or a good place i'm just saying the, there's stuff happening right it's unpredictable. Uh, and so it's up to me to be alert and prepared when that thing happens and so that i don't become capacitated or overwhelmed by the fact that hey something bad so like i always I talk about like, I, I went to um, see a concert with my sister back in like 2013. Uh, what was it? Uh, gosh, shame, I can't think of some hippie guy. And uh, it was in, we went, went and saw him and uh, we came out and I, 
there was a homeless lady in my truck because I hadn't locked my truck. And so like, I go to open the door for my sister because I always open the door for a lady. And uh, my sister like screams. I'm like, oh, uh, how you doing? She's like, oh, uh, it was raining. Uh, the place to get out of the rain. I'm like, all right. Do you need a place to stay? Like, I take you to the hotel. Do, what, what can I do for you? I'm not going to stay in my car tonight, my truck, but we can find you. We can help you. And so like, just talk to the lady, got her some help carried on with mission like and that was no it was no problem and and, yeah. and my sister was like what the fuck how the hell what <laughs> I'm like because it's whatever because i'm i'm in the yellow you know so yeah something happened something happened right and and uh and, and that does come at a, a cost you know constantly staying vigilant always kind of being alert does come at a cost uh there's a toll and a tax associated with that um i'll take the toll and the tax of the the awareness the vigilance the alertness over the toll the tax and the price you pay when you're armed um so uh i said let's you know so let's let's be more resilient let's expect stuff to happen let's get our hands up Uh, okay so something bad happened now what because it's gonna and and so uh there's there's the idea of you're familiar with embrace the suck right yeah <laughs> embrace the suck works the stoics called um called it a morfate love your fate uh love your destiny and so it's the idea that like okay you got dealt a shitty hand but like what are you gonna like you know the cancer came the infidelity happened the car wreck happened it's like what are you gonna do uh you're gonna cave and crawl on a ball or are you gonna just find a way to uh, embrace it right mm-hmm. like i don't have to i don't have to celebrate that like oh this really bad thing happened i don't have to be like yes i'm so happy that it's like but i can find a way just to say like okay well here's here's the new here's the new cars that i'm working with how am i gonna play this and so uh so the next kind of part about being resilient resilient people like i think embrace their circumstances and find a way to win wherever they're at mm. and so uh, i said let's let's do that um and then uh so that that again that's embracing the stock of morfate and then i i think the last thing i said is um what the hell is it, it it's it's at it's it's memento mori right uh at any moment you may die and so the the longer you kind of adopt or embrace this victim mentality this bad thing happened to me uh, like what was me someone should give me it's like uh you wait there's no refund on time you know and the longer you kind of wallow and pity about something you aren't getting that time back and so yeah much better served by saying roger good got it gonna find a way to kind of because there's there's this there's, you can there's two ways of living there's surviving and there's thriving know and so amen amen uh to me i don't want to be a survivor when i'm a survivor that means everything else externally is kind of controlling my life and i'm just trying to survive it you know like i'm a leaf going down the river you know where yeah and and i don't have a lot of control over things out outside of my sphere of influence or whatever you know but like i have i can always control how i'm feeling about something and how i'm responding to it and so I'm not going to be 
a survivor. I'm going to find ways to thrive because I have agency, I have autonomy, and, 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 and I'm not going to trade those things away. And, and that's what merely surviving does is it gives someone else that power. And mm. uh, I'm not interested in that. Um, and then I, I said, let's, let's talk about recovery. Uh, so, okay, so you've, been, so you've been wounded. The ambush happened. Got it. The ambush happened. It, it is going to happen. The trauma happened. And it's going to happen again next year or maybe next month. Maybe. So that, so we've been wounded. The issue is that while we know how to assess and treat physical wounds, we don't know how to assess and treat moral wounds or invisible wounds. Amen. And, and so, you know, you get all this training as to what you do if you got a gunshot wound to the arm or if you got tension pneumothorax. Uh, whatever we say, okay, here, put the chest seal on, put the turn, but we don't know. It's like, and we, and we're able to, I can, I can look at a casualty and say he's routine priority or urgent. Right. And I can quickly assess that. What, what we don't do is, is say, what are you on the inside? What's, what do you got going on the inside? And so is this something that you, you can do self aid with? Is this just, are you just having a funky day? You know, uh, mm -hmm didn't get a lot of sleep last night, whatever. I'm, got, I'm having a funky day. So I, I, if that's the case, probably self-aid. I'm probably routine, right? Probably just walk this one off. Maybe I'm not doing so great and I need a, I'm a priority and I need a buddy. And I just, and, and, and so much of uh, that healing to, to help through those invisible wounds and those invisible injuries is just feeling heard. When, when, when someone feels like, someone listens to their story and is actively listening, uh, not listening to respond, but listening to understand, you know, when there's actual empathy formed, meaning uh, I share this thing with you. And I'm not, when, when you, you know, when you empathize with someone, it doesn't, you don't pity them. You don't say, Oh, that's too bad. Sorry. Yeah. When you empathize with someone, you says, no, let me sit here and share that weight with you. Let me feel that pain with you. And so, but the, that you got to be careful in that because you don't want to turn that into a pity party where now you just kind of both are just like, uh, okay, I talked to my buddy about it and I still am in a bad, bad spot. And it's like, okay, you may in fact be an urgent casualty. And just like you wouldn't try to, uh, walk off a, a sucking chest wound you wouldn't have a sucking chest wound and say i'll, I'll, I'll walk this one off yeah. uh or you wouldn't if you had a sucking chest wound you wouldn't say like hey you've been to cls before you could probably just take care of this sucking chest wound it's like yeah, you got it uh if you have a sucking chest wound you say like i gotta go to the doctor right yeah but, and so if you got a sucking chest wound you go to the fucking doctor and so like the good thing is that there's a doctor for that stuff going on in here and in here. Right. And so go see them. And, uh, it took me a long time to, to do that. And when you stay in urgent casualty, you're causing collateral damage because that blood that you're spilling is not just, you know, hurting you. It's hurting the people that love you or you. Right. And the longer you had that fester, so what what was it that made you realize that you were an urgent casualty? Yeah. Like for like uh, for like for the people that are listening 
for the people that are in your old shoes that don't want to get help or don't think they need help or don't think they deserve help, you know, because there is a lot of those people that you're talking about, those people that are like, oh, I'm good, I'll walk it off. Oh, I'm good, I'll walk it off. And then eventually it's like, dude, you, you got to stop walking it off because you haven't walked it off yet. You've been walking miles and it still hasn't walked off yet. How did you come to that realization that you needed that? Like, how did you realize, like, wow, I'm the one that needs this? Like, how did, how did you come to that realization? How did it come, you know, 360 for you? Uh, it Through reading, writing, and to me, the act of reading and writing are very introspective and reflective activities. And uh, I had been, you know, platoon commander, then I went to recon, then I went to school of infantry and commanded there, then I became company commander. So like, I was always living in a world where uh, I was fully other oriented all the time professionally. So it gave me an excuse. It's not to say that I couldn't have been more reflective or introspective. It just gave me an excuse not to be because you had uh, other things to focus on. Yeah, it allowed me to focus on other things. And, and to me, being physically courageous is very easy. Uh, to me, being physically courageous is like, well, I love that person. That person needs me. Like, I got to go help them. You know, so like, yeah. uh, physical courage was never an issue. Moral courage, on the other hand, is where I struggle. I think moral courage is way, way more hazardous uh way scarier and so to have the moral courage to say like you need to take a second and look at what's going on in here uh well that's that's freaking terrifying <laughs> all kinds of stuff going on like no oh, i'm good i'm gonna mark and buy you know? so like everything bad would happen i would say like yeah, contact left suppress <laughs> you know uh or or we're just gonna mark and bypass this one and um yeah, it wasn't until when I went to school, it was like, okay, you don't have any of the Marines. You're not in charge of anyone but yourself. And you're doing all this reading and writing. And it was like, uh, for the first time, I had some moment. Yeah, so, so what would someone need? They would need to take a tactical pause, turn and look inward and do mm -hmm. some searching and do some reflect, do some introspection. And... And so I, it, it was at that point that I started to notice like, hey, you have these patterns and these behaviors that are really destructive, uh, but you're still like very functional and successful. So it's easy to, to not spend time with identifying that type of stuff when you're able to still be functional. But uh, it was it was finally like, Yes, it finally started to become apparent, like, hey, there, there's an issue, uh, you should look into it. But it wasn't until two years later that I actually, you know, finally went to the wizard. And it was oh. at the point that um, it was, she, you know, she said, like, it's, it's when she talked to me about thoughts, feelings, and actions. And she said, okay, like, so we can see the actions. We can see, like, how this is manifesting in not healthy ways. Okay. Uh, what are you feeling preceding you acting like that? And then what thoughts are you having that are driving those feelings? And so when you start there, like what, why am I having these kind of thoughts? Like what is going on? And then like, you can quickly understand that if, if you're having, if you're, 
if you're having this kind of thought, of course you're going to kind of feel a certain way. And when you feel, yeah. you're probably going to act a certain way. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lot of work and it's a work in progress. I don't think, you know, I don't think there's ever, you just snap your fingers and it's, yeah. you're good. I, I think it's a, it's a lifelong kind of, uh, process, but being aware is so important. And, and once you have, uh, so, you know, if we talked about the first part that we talked about resilience, we talked about, you know, it was situational awareness to be in the yellow. It was situational awareness that to have the expectation that you're in the ring. The next part is self-awareness. Mm. I think we talked about subsequently for, for the recovery requires self-awareness and self-awareness is a lot trickier, uh, for me at least is that is, is to have that self-awareness and so but once you once you're able to kind of start identifying that these are the kind of thoughts that i'm having they drive these feelings and they ultimately lead to these actions uh you can really kind of start to do some of the work i think you gotta you know start with why and once you know why why am i thinking this way why am i and, and so once you get a why you can say okay like well how can i start to work on this and and ultimately, it's you, you want to get uh, to a place of, of gratitude. And when I find that when you get to this place of gratitude, you say, okay, I had this adversity, I had this trauma, I had this ambush. Uh, how can I frame it in a way that I'm grateful from not that it necessarily happened, but from what I've learned from that it happened, right? And And, 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 and how can I uh, yield something positive from this crappy kind of experience. And so, uh, yeah, so you asked me what, what, where did I start? How did this all, that's where it all started is, is through a project. And so the name is called kill zone, right? And so the idea kill zone is where you're ambushed. And so the whole project started is like, Hey, you're, we're all going to be, in the kill zone at some point we're all gonna that ambush is gonna happen how could we be more resilient to, to stay out of the kill zones longer what how can we be more resilient once we're in the kill zone getting our hands up maybe uh and then how do we get off the x okay you're you're in the kill zone you're on the x how do you start to, to recover and so when people see kill zone they like probably think i'm trying to say like or do something like cool or hardcore i'm really kind of talking about resilience and recovery with like mental health uh mm. is what what it all started with and then yeah i mean from there we 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 always you know we stay in the attack so we've done a couple other things uh since then but that's kind of the the genesis of where i got started down this path wow so sir one one of the things i wanted to talk to you too about was just <clears throat> i know we had a discussion the earlier um earlier in the week, but I was actually talking to one of the, one of the Marines I went to boot camp with and we lost contact. It's been like 13 years since the two of us have spoken. And we were talking the other day and he's going to come on the podcast and, and we're going to talk about, um, you know, some different things. But one of the things that he's dealing with is just lack of purpose since he's gotten out. Um, and he was talking about the fact that, you know, you're in the Marine Corps, you join the Marine Corps and you know or a service and you know you're doing the same thing you have a purpose every single day even if that purpose is formation at this time and every day you have a purpose no matter what and then all of a sudden you get out you get this dd214 and now you no longer have that 
and a lot of people have that issue with that or they don't think they'll have that issue and then all of a sudden the issue arises so what what advice do you have for anybody that may be going through that portion of their life where they're like dude what am i here for what is my purpose what am i doing why am i even here yeah a couple thoughts you know one you're not like you're not entitled to a purpose you got to go find it you know Mm. Uh, so you know if you're just sitting around i mean you should think through things right first but like like uh it's 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 rare that an angel lord comes to you and says here's what you got to go do right that doesn't yeah not like that frequent i think and so normally you got to go do some stuff to figure that out and so you know, think about a, a mission, a, a mission, doctrinally, a mission has a task and a purpose. You know, uh, your task is to destroy the bridge in order to, and now here's the purpose. It's what comes out in order to, to deny the enemy the ability to conduct a resupply. Okay, so I know my purpose. I know that at the end of the day, my purpose, the commander's intent, is to deny the enemy the ability uh, to conduct that resupply. So, you know, I got to I gotta go destroy the bridge. Maybe... Maybe there's other ways to accomplish that task. Maybe you actually just kill the convoy and then, like, the enemy, you know, so that's where, that's why it's so under, important to understand, like, what is the purpose? What is the why? And then, you know, a man with a why can figure out anything, you know. And so uh, that's, that's part. And, and, and so what we can talk about, we've talked a little bit about the warrior archetype, and we can, and now we can go to kind of the hero's journey. Uh, and, and so um, when, when we talk about the hero's journey, it's this idea that uh, there's a calling, a response. There's usually a denial of the calling. It's like, well, that's kind of scary. I don't know. And then like there's then you there's a, then you accept the calling and that calling means you have to leave something that's comfortable. You, normally your home. Right. This is all Joseph Campbell talked about all this. Right. And it's the idea that I had to. And so you can think of hero's journeys where it's like. Luke Skywalker, right? It's like, hey, you got to go leave your home to go destroy the uh, Death Star, right? He's like, no, nah, I'm not into that. And then, you know, it's, 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 you can look at almost every movie you've seen or book you've read. There's, there's some kind of version of this hero's journey where you're identified, you're called, you have to leave the thing that you knew. You've got to go to a foreign land. Uh, and during that, there's a lot of things that you learn about yourself is you're, you're in the midst of a rite of passage, you know? And so historically men have always had some type of rite of passage through, you know, through most of our man, man's history. There's been some kind of thing that signifies you've now, you've not, you've gone from a boy to a man. Right. Um, and so the hero's journey, it's this idea that you're, you're going through this rite of passage, uh, and eventually there's going to be a dragon. Uh, you have to lay that dragon. <laughs> Watch uh, the, all the Marine commercials of the, the, the lava monster, right? You, uh, and when you, when you watch all those 80s and 90s commercials, they're literally what they're saying is the hero's journey. They're talking. These very specific terms about, you know, a calling and then they're literally showing like you, you were wearing a white t-shirt, right? You, and then like, now you got a sword and then you slayed the dragon and now you're in a, in a uniform, right? This, and so, uh, so you slay the dragon and then now it's the tricky part. I have all these lessons that I've learned. I'm not the same person that I was before I left. Uh, 
what do I do next? And so that's where we're at right now. What do I do next when I come home? And, and, the, and the homecoming, as we d- discussed, has always been the trickiest part of the warrior archetype. It's always been the part that it's, it's the most problematic. It's because you're not the same person you were before you left. Uh, and when you were gone, when you were out to sea, when you were on that voyage, everything was so intense and so meaningful. And now it's like, okay, now I'm back in my hometown and it just doesn't feel that way. And so, uh, and what you'll find is, so of course there's an identity crisis because at one point you wore a uniform that had a, a name tape and a rank and you, you know, you, you, you were this thing. And so, and now someone hands you a piece of paper and they say, you're not that thing anymore. And it's like, and it's, and all it is is a piece of paper. Now you're not that thing anymore. And it's like, okay, well, I, I've been indoctrinated into being this thing. I've been uh, inculcated and indoctrinated into being this thing. And there's no re-indoctrination into being a civilian. It's just yeah. this thing. And now figure it back out on the back end to, to, to do that. And, and so, you know, what would I uh, say to, to someone uh, struggling with that purpose is you, you have like two, two options. You can be infantilized, which means you can go back to being that person that you were before you left, before you went and slayed the dragon, right? You could go back to your mom's house and start to live like you be a child again and do childish things. Or you can be the man or woman that you've become from learning the lessons that you, you've gained. By- and I think too often we revert because we're, we're back in that environment. Because in that environment, you were a kid. So you go back to the environment and start to act like that again. And it's like, uh, no, even back in that environment, now you've got to be the person you know that, that you've seen at your full potential. And by the way, uh, the, the hero's journey is not, uh, it's not linear. It doesn't just end. It's, it's circular. It's now you start again. You know, you find what is the next calling and you get back into that next calling. And so, uh, but again, no one is going to come down from heaven and say, here's your next calling. And even if you think you knew what that next calling was, maybe it didn't work out. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe you were wrong. That's okay. By the way, it's like, okay, I thought I was going to do this thing that didn't work out. All right. That sucks. I'm not saying that doesn't suck. That sucks. Uh, time to find what the next. And so, the 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 you ha- there's one of my um, favorite sermons is is from Dr. King, and it's it's called conquering self centeredness. And if you read that sermon, you'll know everything you need to know about purpose. But what he talks about is is when you become a man, when you become an adult, you live an other oriented life. And so, particularly for a service member, you've experienced that other-oriented life. You've experienced what that means to live for something or someone greater than oneself. Mm. 
all the purpose and the value that is associated with living a life like that, right? So when you come back, you now have to find the next thing to sacrifice for. What can I feel? Because you are a man or woman of service and service inherently involves sacrifice. So you want mm. sacrifice for something other than yourself. And so you got to find that thing. And maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your wife, your children. Maybe it's your community. Maybe it's your church. Maybe it's, it's, it's whatever. It can, maybe you love sheltered animals. You know, find the thing. Service to others or serving <clears throat> something greater than yourself that you can continue to feel like you're sacrificing. Uh, because it's only through that that you'll feel that, that purpose again and 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 don't and understand that if it's your kids or if it's dogs or if it's what it's it's not don't think it's like it's it's not going to necessarily feel like when you were a marine in service to your country but it doesn't mean it's like less significant or important because like your family's pretty important your community's pretty important your church is pretty important right so just you find that thing to stay in service to, to stay, continue to sacrifice, uh, to continue to be other oriented. Uh, that's really the, the entire premise of service is being other oriented and living a life of sacrifice. And uh, that's where we find the purpose. And uh, it's not easy, uh, but find that calling and get back to work. And if it doesn't work the first time, find another calling and get back to work. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's to be in continuous service to others wow so how one one of the last things that i kind of ask you sir is just how do you how do you involve like what does your walk with god look like because i know that we've had that conversation you kind of brought it up the other day but like how do you incorporate that into kill zone into pb abate like how do you incorporate that into everything that you're talking about sure i could probably do it better uh but i i i would say that uh you know i had a i had a soldier who's graduating getting commissioned you know here soon and he said you know what what am i supposed to do how am i supposed to do this thing appropriately what do i say and i'm like don't worry about what you say just worry about how you live how you do how you act how you conduct yourself right and like that that is ultimately the testimony that that always matters um and you know I am just your typical sinner, you know? So when things are, uh, when things are going tough and bad, who do I call? Like, uh, dear Lord, uh, my dog is being super annoying. Uh, so dear Lord, uh, things are going really bad. I really need you. I'm going to call you 10 times a day and I'm going to read my Bible because I am really, things are not going great. And so, you know, when I, when I'm in combat, I'm reading all my scriptures and uh, I'm very good. Uh, and then I get out of combat and I'm like, well, you know, I got this, like everything's going great. Like it's been nice. I'll catch you when I need you again, you know? And so uh, of course I have these seasons or it's up and down. Um, uh, but the one thing that, you know, so, so while I walk away, come back and walk, you know, God remains constant, constantly faithful. Uh, and uh, 
thankfully merciful, graceful, and also forgiving. And, and so, um, I, how do I incorporate that with my life? I, I mean, it just, it just gives me such freedom knowing, uh, that ultimately what happens, uh, whatever, whatever happens that I have a faithful and righteous and just Lord that, you know, is for me. And if he is for me, you know, who can be against me? Right. And so, uh, I, there's, I read this, uh, that's what I was kind of looking for. Um, can't find it, but there's this great quote, uh, that, uh, Stonewall Jackson said, you know, he says, you know, people say, Oh, well, why, why aren't you more scared to die? And he's like, because that time is already written, you know, whatever yeah. happens, like when my number gets called, my number's going to get called. And I'm just as peace about that when that happens in battle as I am as if I was in my bed, you know? And so the idea is to be able to live life in a place, in a way that, so at any time, whenever your number gets called, you just say, okay, yeah, like that, that was my time, you know? And so, that's, that's to me it's been very liberating that uh to be able to live without fear uh to be able to live boldly uh to be able to live courageously in, in a lot of ways and whether that's uh professionally on the battlefield i think it's such a uh you know I, I, there's two luxuries for the for the leader and, and well one one for the leader then one for the christian you know and, and i think one is the, the leader doesn't have time to worry about themselves which is really nice uh because if we're getting shot at it's like okay like i don't i gotta worry about last corporal so-and-so and corporal so-and-so and i just gotta go do what i gotta go do for them you know and so you don't ever worry about yourself and then when and then also it's like if i catch one i catch one you know <laughs> like, it's, it's just no it's just no problem to me like there's something much bigger than life you know and so i've never like clinging to this like I, i'm a big fan of being alive uh it's, you know, <laughs> it's just like I'm just here for a minute you know uh and uh, so yeah I, I hopefully um how do i incorporate is, is is hopefully primarily uh by the way that i conduct myself by the way that i live each and every day and uh, first and foremost, like by the way that I lead here in my home, by the type of husband that I am, by the type of uh, father that I am, by the type of friend that I am, type of son that I am. That's you know, social media is it's it's whatever. It, like uh, you know, but that's really what's important is is, is is reflected in how I treat the people around me and, the, the, and me living that. So. Uh, hopefully that kind of can come through. No, yeah, yeah. Am. That's 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 my answer. To that. Wow, amen, sir. Well, hey, listen, sir. I'm just thankful for having this time with you. I really appreciate you coming on here and talking with us and um, just being able to learn more about you, learn more about PB Abate, learn more about Killzone, learn more about just who you are and what you're doing. And I really appreciate it because. You know, a lot, to you taking the time out to do this and just being able to be transparent and, and talk to you, you know, a lot of these things are things that people don't talk about, you know, and, and especially for you to be able to be transparent, you know, with the things that you've gone through and, you know, having have, you know, 
being going through counseling and growing and, and learning that, Hey, I'm the one that's in, that's in much need of that urgent help. Um, it's definitely awesome. And then as far as the whole purpose thing, that as well, it's just awesome to know, you know, like you said, like, Hey, no one's going to come down and say, Hey man, here's your purpose. Like you, you got to be out there living everyday life as you, as you find these purposes and as you find these callings, you know? So um, do you have any last comments or anything that you want to drop on us, sir? Oh man. Uh, appreciate it for having me stay in the fight. Keep attacking. All right. Thank you so much, sir. Thanks.